section sixteen of the book of a thousand nights and a night this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recorded by ruhi huck the book of a thousand nights and a night volume eight by anonymous translated by richard francis burton eighteen twenty one to eighteen ninety section sixteen when it was the eight hundred and twenty-sixth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the jan said to hassan we cannot promise thee safety o our lord from this islandry nor from the mischief of the supreme king and his enchanters and warlocks it may be they will overcome us and take you from us and we fall into affliction with them and all to whom the tidings shall come after this will say to us ye are wrongdoers how could ye go against the supreme king and carry a mortal out of his dominions and eke the king's daughter with him adding wert thou alone with us the thing were light and he who conveyed thee hither is capable to carry thee back to thy country and reunite thee with thine own people forthright and in readiest plight so take heart and put thy trust in allah and fear not for we are at thy service to convey thee to thy country hasan thanked them therefore and said allah requite you with good but now make haste with the horses they replied we hear and we obey and struck the ground with their feet whereupon it opened and they disappeared within it and were absent a while after which they suddenly reappeared with three horses saddled and bridled and on each saddle bow a pair of saddle-bags and a leathern bottle of water in one pocket and the other full of provant so hasan mounted one steed and took a child before him whilst his wife mounted a second and took the other child before her then the old woman alighted from the jar and bestrode the third horse and they rode on without ceasing all night at break of day they turned aside from the road and made for the mountain whilst their tongues ceased not to name allah then they fared on under the highland all that day till hasan caught sight of a black object afar as if it were a tall column of smoke a twisting skywards so he recited somewhat of the koran and holy writ and sought refuge with allah from satan the stoned the black thing grew plainer as they drew near and when hard by it they saw that it was an ifrit with a head like a huge dome and tusks like grapnels and jaws like a lane and nostrils like ewers and ears like leathern targes and mouth like a cave and teeth like pillars of stone and hands like winnowing forks and legs like masts his head was in the cloud and his feet in the bowels of the earth had ploughed when as hasan gazed upon him he bowed himself and kissed the ground before him saying o hasan have no fear of me for i am the chief of the dwellers of this land which is the first of the isles of wok and i am a muslim and an adorer of the one god i have heard of you and your coming and when i knew of your case i desired to depart from the land of the magicians to another land void of inhabitants and far from men and jinn that i might dwell there alone and worship allah till my fated end came upon me 
so i wish to accompany you and be your guide chile fare forth of the walk islands and i will not appear save at night and do ye hearten your hearts on my account for i am a muslim even as ye are muslims when hasan heard the ifrit's words he rejoiced with exceeding joy and made sure of deliverance and he said to him allah requite thee weal go with us relying upon the blessing of allah so the ifrit forewent them and they followed talking and making merry for their hearts were pleased and their breasts were eased and hasan fell to telling his wife all that had befallen him and all the hardships he had undergone while she excused herself to him and told him in turn all that she had seen and suffered they ceased not faring all that night and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twenty-seventh night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that they ceased not faring all that night and the horses bore them like the blinding leaven and when the day rose all put their hands to the saddle-bags and took forth provant which they ate and water which they drank then they sped diligently on their way preceded by the ifrit who turned aside with them from the beaten track into another road till then untrodden along the sea-shore and they ceased not faring on without stopping across wadis and wolds a whole month till on the thirty-first day there arose before them a dust-cloud that walled the world and darkened the day and when hasan saw this he was confused and turned pale and more so when a frightful crying and clamour struck their ears thereupon the old woman said to him o my son this is the army of the wak islands that hath overtaken us and presently they will lay their violent hands on us hasan asked what shall i do o my mother and she answered strike the earth with a rod he did so whereupon the seven kings presented themselves and saluted him with the salam kissing ground before him and saying fear not neither grieve hasan rejoiced at these words and answered them saying well said o princess of the jinn and the ifrits this is your time quoth they get ye up to the mountain top thou and thy wife and children and she who is with thee and leave us to deal with them for we know that you all are in the right and they in the wrong and allah will aid us against them so hasan and his wife and children and the old woman dismounted and dismissing the horses ascended the flank of the mountain and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twenty-eighth night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that hasan and his wife his children and the ancient dame ascended the mountain flank after they had dismissed the coursers presently up came queen nurul huda with the troops right and left and the captains went round among the host and raged them rank by rank in battle array then the host charged down upon each other and clashed together the twain with a mighty strain the brave pressed on amain and the coward to fly was fain and the jinn clasped flames of fire from their mouths while the smoke of them rose up to the confines of the sky and the two armies appeared and disappeared the champions fought and heads flew from trunks and the blood ran in rills nor did brand leave to play and blood to flow and battle fire to flow 
till the murko night came when the two hosts drew apart and slighting from their steeds rested upon the field by the fires they had kindled therewith the seven kings went up to hasan and kissed the earth before him he pressed forwards to meet them and thanked them and prayed allah to give them the victory and asked them how they had fared with the queen's troops quoth they they will not withstand us more than the three days for we had the better of them to-day taking some two thousand of them prisoners and slaying of them much folk whose compt may not be told so be of good cheer and broad of breast then they farewelled him and went down to look after the safety of their troops and they ceased not to keep up the fires till the morning rose with its sheen and shone when the fighting men mounted their horses of noble strain and smote one another with thin-edged skein and with brawn of bill they thrust amain nor did they cease that day battle to derain moreover they passed the night on horseback clashing together like dashing seas raged among them the fires of war and they stinted not from battle and jar till the armies of whack were defeated and their power broken and their courage quelled their feet slipped and whither they fled so ever defeat was before them wherefore they turned tail and of flight began to avail but the most part of them were slain and their queen and her chief officers and the grandees of her realm were captain tain when the morning morrowed the seven kings presented themselves before hasan and set for him a throne of alabaster inlaid with pearls and jewels and he sat down thereon they also set thereby a throne of ivory plated with glittered gold for the princess manar al-sana and another for the ancient dame shawahi zat al-dawahi then they brought before them the prisoners and among the rest queen nur al-huda with elbows pinioned and feet fettered whom when shawahi saw she said to her thy recompense o harlot o tyrant shall be that two bitches be starved and two mares stinted of water till they be athirst then shalt thou be bound to the mares tails and those driven to the river with the bitches following thee that they may rend thy skin and after thy flesh shall be cut off and given them to eat how couldst thou do with thy sister such deed o strumpet seeing that she was lawfully married after the ordinance of allah and his apostle for there is no monkery in al-islam and marriage is one of the institutions of the apostles on whom be the peace nor were women created but for men then hasan commanded to put all the captives to his sword and the old woman cried out saying slay them all and spare none but when princess manar al-sana saw her sister in this plight a bondswoman and in fetters she wept over her and said o my sister who is this hath conquered us and made us captives in our own country quoth nur al-huda verily this is a mighty matter indeed this man hasan hath gotten the mastery over us and allah hath given him dominion over us and over all our realm and he hath overcome us us and the kings of the jinn and quoth her sister indeed allah aided him not against you nor did he overcome you nor capture you save by means of his cap and rod so nur al-huda was certified and assured that he had conquered her by means thereof and humbled herself to her sister till she was moved to wrath for her and said to her husband what wilt thou do with my sister behold she is in thy hands and she hath done thee no misdeed that thou shouldst punish her replied hasan her torturing of thee was misdeed enow but she answered saying she hath excuse for all she did with me as for thee 
thou hast set my father's heart on fire for the loss of me and what will be his case if he lose my sisters also and he said to her tis thine to decide do whatso thou wilt so she bade loose her sister and the rest of the captives and they did her bidding then she went up to queen nur al huda and embraced her and they wept together for a long while after which quoth the queen o my sister bear me not malice for that i did with thee and quoth manar al-sana o my sister this was foreordained to me by fate then they sat on the couch talking and manar al-sana made peace between the old woman and her sister after the goodliest fashion and their hearts were set at ease thereupon hasan dismissed the servants of the rod thanking them for the succour which they had afforded him against his foes and manar al-sana related to his sister all that had befallen her with hasan her husband and everything he had suffered for her sake saying o my sister since he had done these deeds and is possessed of this might and allah almighty hath gifted him with such exceeding prowess that he hath entered our country and beaten thine army and taken thee prisoner and defied our father the supreme king who hath dominion over all the princes of the jinn it behoveth us to fail not of what is due to him replied nurul huda by allah o my sister thou sayest sooth in what so thou tellest me of the marvels which this man hath seen and suffered and none may fail of respect to him but was all this on thine account o my sister and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and twenty-ninth night she pursued it had reached me o auspicious king that when princess minar al-sana repeated to her sister these praises of hasan the other replied by allah this man can claim all respect more by token of his generosity but was all this on thine account yes answered manar al-sana and they passed the night in converse till the morning morrowed and the sun rose and they were minded to depart so they farewelled one another and manar al-sana gave godspeed to the ancient dame after the reconciling her with queen nur al-huda thereupon hasan smote the earth with the rod and its servants the jinn appeared and saluted him saying praise be allah who hath set thy soul at rest command us what thou wilt and we will do it for thee in less than the twinking of an eye he thanked them for their saying and said to them allah requite you with good saddle me two steeds of the best so they brought him and forthwith two saddled coursers one of which he mounted taking his elder son before him and his wife rode the other taking the younger son in front of her then the queen and the old woman also backed horse and departed hasan and his wife following the right and nurul huda and shahabi the left hand rode the spouses fared on with their children without stopping for a whole month till they drew in sight of a city which they found compassed about with trees and streams and making the trees dismounted beneath them thinking to rest there as they sat talking behold they saw many horsemen coming towards them whereupon hasan rose and going to meet them saw that it was king hasan lord of the land of camphor and castle of crystal with his attendants so hasan went up to the king and kissed his hands and saluted him and when hasan saw him he dismounted and seating himself with hasan upon carpets under the trees returned his salam and gave him joy of his safety and rejoiced in him with exceeding joy saying to him o hasan 
tell me all that had befallen thee first and last so he told him all of that whereupon the king marvelled and said to him o my son none ever reached the islands of wok and returned thence but thou and indeed thy case is wondrous but alhamdulillah praised be god for safety then he mounted and bade hasan ride with his wife and children into the city where he lodged them in the guest-house of his palace and they abode with him three days eating and drinking in mirth and merriment after which hasan sought hasan's leave to depart to his own country and the king granted it accordingly they took horse and the king rode with them ten days after which he farewelled them and turned back whilst hasan and his wife and children fared on a whole month at the end of which time they came to a great cavern whose floor was of brass quoth hasan to his wife kennest thou yonder cave quoth she no said he therein dwelleth a sheikh abu al ruvesh hight to whom i am greatly beholden for that he was the means of my becoming acquainted with king hasan then he went on to tell her all that had passed between him and abu al ruvaish and as he was thus engaged behold the sheikh himself issued from the cavern mouth when hasan saw him he dismounted from his steed and kissed his hands and the old man saluted him and gave him joy of his safety and rejoiced in him then he carried him into the anter and sat down with him whilst hasan related to him what had befallen him in the islands of wak whereat the elder marvelled with exceeding marvel and said o hasan how didst thou deliver thy wife and children so he told them the tale of the cap and the rod hearing which he wondered and said o hasan o my son but for this rod and cap thou hadst never delivered thy wife and children and he replied even so o my lord as they were talking there came a knocking at the door and abu al rawaish went out and found abd al kadus mounted on his elephant so he saluted him and brought him into the cavern where he embraced hasan and congratulated him on his safety rejoicing greatly in his return said abu al rawaish to hasan tell the sheikh abd al kadus all that hath befallen thee o hasan he repeated to him everything that had passed first and last till he came to the tale of the rod and cap and shahrzad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say End of section sixteen